All right, if you would like, take your Bible and open to the book of Luke in the New Testament. If you have access to the Bible on your phone, maybe through the Bible app or, or some program like that, feel free and pull that out as well. If you don't have a Bible in front of you or you're not comfortable finding your way there to the book of Luke, you can look up on the screen as well. We're going to have those verses available for you up there. Let me say a couple of things before we get started with this part of our service. The first is, Christmas Eve service at Emmaus is purposefully a family service. If your kids get wiggly, I know from the perspective of a parent, say if you're you know, leading something on stage and your own child participates overly actively in what you're doing and you're the one that feels all the pressure. Everybody else thinks it's great. Well, when I'm up here preaching and your kid is wiggly or you feel like they're not doing well, you're the only one worried about that. We are, we are on your side. We love you. We care for you. If you need to step out in the lobby, it is no distraction to me at all. We have that as an option for you, your family. Go and use that lobby at any point during the service. We're just glad you're here. We want to be available for your family, even if Emmaus is not your home church that you would know that you could come to us in a time of need, that we want to be able to pray for you, encourage you, minister to your family, however we can do that. So just know over the next 20, 25 minutes, if you get squirmy, your kids get squirmy, that, that's no problem for me. We, we want to be there and, and love and care for you through that. Here's the second thing I would like to say. There's a good chance that if you are a guest or you haven't been involved at Emmaus a lot and you've come a few times, that we may not have your email address on file. You say, well, I want it that way. I really don't want you to have my email address on file. Here's what we would like to do for you, though. Beginning in 2018, January 1st, 2018, I've put together a daily devotion that would take about five minutes to read, and it runs from January 1st through Easter, which ironically is April 1st this coming year for 2018. Whether you're a part of Emmaus or not, we would love to be able to email that devotion to you every morning. You pull up to school, you pull up to work, you bring your phone out. It's going to have a scripture, it's going to have a quick thought, and it's going to have a prayer that we're going to pray together as Emmaus for that day about how God would work in our lives. If you would take out that Connect card in the seat back in front of you, and you would just write your name and your email address on that card we want to be able to get that devotion to you through email. Uh, husbands and wives, if you've been sharing email addresses through the MyAmaeus system and you would like it to go to your own phone, fill that card out, put your email address in there. When you exit after the service is over, you can either drop it in the black box on the wall or where you drop off your candles, we'll also have volunteers there to take that card from you. Um, I would love to be able to get this to you. Like I said, you don't have to be a part of Emmaus. You don't ever have to intend to come back to Emmaus. You may live off and you've just been here with family. We'd still like to be able to get that email to you because I hope it'd be an encouragement to you. If you're not in the habit of reading your Bible and it feels overwhelming to do that on a daily basis, open your email, open your phone. You've got the scripture, you've got some helps, and you've got a prayer right there. So we want to be able to get that to you. Okay, Luke chapter 2. The Christmas sermon is very simple this morning, very straightforward. We don't need to improve on it. We don't need to change it. We're just going to go very, very straightforward. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 10. The angel said to them, Fear not. We live in a world 
of great fear, great anxiety, great worry, great stress. Fear not. Kids, remember, this is the verse we learned a few minutes ago, okay? Scared face, fear not. You don't have to be afraid. For behold, the word behold is kind of one of those religious Bible churchy words, but it means see, pay attention. So don't close your eyes in fear. Open your eyes and pay attention to what's happening. Uh, Behold, I bring you good news. Kids, remember what that is? Good news. It's an announcement. I bring you good news of great joy. Great joy. Yeah, good things are happening. That will be for all the people. Now, here's how Bible study works. You learn a verse like that, kids, and you teach it to your parents and your grandparents when you go home, you teach it to your cousins. You read a verse like that in Luke 2, verse 10, and then the way you do Bible study is you see the kind of the main ideas that show up there, good news, great joy, all the people. Then the verses that come after that tell you what the good news is, why there's great joy, and who all those people are. And so that's what we're going to see. If you received one of those bulletins as you came in this morning and you want to flip it over to the back, all we're going to do over the next few minutes is I want to tell you what the good news of Christmas is. I want to tell you why there's great joy. And I want to tell you who all the people are. Good news, great joy, all the people. Look at verse 11. For unto you, what's the good news? Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Here's the good news. The good news is that God is for us and God is with us. That God has come to his people, born to his people. That he is not a God who sits far away in heaven and says, you have to work your way up to me. You have to get your life together. You have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You have to clean yourself up and you have to come to me The good news of Christmas is that Christ was born to us, that he came to us, that he is for us. How did he come? He came as Savior. We've talked about that through our study of Joshua, that he is the God who saves. He came as the one who is Christ the Lord. The word Christ there is the word for Messiah, the promised rescuer from God. Now, at this time in the ancient world, there was a man named Caesar Augustus who was over the Roman Empire. And when Caesar Augustus was born, do you know what was said about Caesar Augustus? It was said that he was Savior and that he had come to bring good news. You can read the ancient documents from this time, and he was declared the Savior of the world, and he was declared the one who would bring good news. What's Luke 2 saying? That if you want to find a Savior and you want to find good news, you don't look to the Roman Empire, you don't look to any worldly power, You look to the one who was the promised Messiah who would come. He came to you. He doesn't say, come to me in my royal palace. He says, I will come to you. And he's born with us. He came in verse 12. It says, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That God is not only for us, but he is with us. The good news is that he comes among his people. He's not the type of leader who separates himself off from the people in some secluded area, but he's right there. I have a good friend who's a chaplain uh, with the military, and he talked about that his work with soldiers when he was on the field deployed, so much of his ministry was just being present 
with the soldiers at that place of deployment. That some chaplains would have a bad habit of staying secluded in their offices. They wouldn't go down. They wouldn't be involved in what was going on. And he said that his greatest ministry, his greatest chance to share Christ with those guys is when he was among them, when he was involved in what was going on in their lives. That's exactly the model that Jesus set for his people. That he is for us and he is with us. He has come to be among his people. And if you're a Christian this morning, don't miss the importance of that for Christmas. Too often as Christians, we're not known for what we're for, we're known for what we're against. And we're not known for being with people, or we're known for being secluded from people. And yet the one who is the Savior says, I am for you and I am with you. Now being for someone doesn't mean that anything goes attitude, it doesn't mean act however you want, do it. we're not saying that. We're saying that when people look at you as a follower of Christ, do they say, that person cares about me, they are for me, and they are willing to be with me so I will know the love of God? That they experience the good news of Christmas through your life. And we have to think about that as a church. When people look at Emmaus Baptist Church, do they say, those people are for me and they are with me? They see what's going on in my life, and they care about me in such a way that they are able to bring that good news for us. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus was born to us, and he was born among us. Now, why does that bring great joy? Look in verse 13. So great joy. This is the raise the roof part, kids. What's the great joy? Verse 13. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The great joy part here is when they begin to praise God for who he is. Now, in your phone or in your Bible, it may look a little bit different in these verses. Sometimes it'll put it in a different font or it'll set it off to the side a little bit because it's poetic, it's this hymnic idea. I want to show you on the screen more, uh, maybe it's a clearer way to see what's going on here with this praise. The way it works, it's meant to work in what literary scholars will sometimes call a chiasm, how it'll go to a point and then come back the other way. God, this is the way the words are laid out in the original language. This is the ordering of the words. That God is at the center of this. That his glory His greatness is seen in the highest. That's why we raise the roof, because joy comes from realizing that God is God and you are not. If you try to be God in your life, you will not have joy. I can promise you that. Many of us in here have tried. Many of us in here have failed desperately trying to be God for the whole world and even for ourselves. Joy is found when you realize he is God. He is the one who has all greatness. He is the one that I give glory but on earth his peace is made known. That the one who is great, the one who is worthy of your worship, is the same one who has made his peace known among people on the earth. And there's joy when we have peace with one another through Christ. That is the reason we have joy. Because God is great and he has made his greatness known to his people and it brings peace. But it doesn't stop there. It's a glory and it's a peace that is for all the people. Look at the end of 14. The end of 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, 
and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Who are all the people that we talk about at the Christmas story? Now, if you're like me, you may have memorized Luke 2.14 in such a way where it said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill among men. It makes peace and goodwill sound like two different things that were given. That doesn't best communicate what this verse is saying. It's not saying peace, goodwill to all men. It's saying peace among those or with those with whom are favored by God. Here's what I want you to see about that. The story of Christmas is, av- oops, is available to all people. God's glory and his peace, his good news, has been made known to all people. It's available to all, but it's not experienced by all. The good news of Christmas is available to all. God's glory, his peace, his joy, his good news, available, but it's not experienced by all. And you say, there you go, Owen, another pastor saying it's only this certain group of people who are able to be made right with God, able to experience this, you're always cutting yourself off. But remember who the people were who experienced God's glory and peace. Was it the Roman emperor? No. Was it the religious people who thought they had it all together? No. It was the young teenage mom. It was the carpenter, the blue-collar worker who was so poor he couldn't even afford the real sacrifice. He had to take the poor person's sacrifice to his son's circumcision. It was the shepherds who were the ultimate outcast. It was the wise men who were the religious and ethnic outsiders in this whole story. When we say that the Christmas story is available to all, but it's only experienced by some, it's experienced by those who humble themselves, who realize they have nothing to bring to the table, but they are in desperate need of good news and great joy. And they receive that. It's men like Jim Webley. I'm gonna show you a picture of Jim Webley on the screen who I wish I knew his dog's name because that is a beautiful dog. Oh, my word. Um, Jim grew up in Nevada or Nevada. I'm not sure which one. Either Nevada or Nevada. He grew up in that state to the west. And he was working when he was in his 20s. He was working in the gold mines there. He was caught up in drugs, alcohol, street fighting. His life was in shambles. Jim was driving his young daughter to get milkshakes one Sunday morning, never been in church, but he felt this incredible urge that he needed to go to church that morning. So he goes into this little church there in Nevada. He's wearing an Ozzy Osbourne cut-off t-shirt, the one with the front where Ozzy's holding the dove, and then on the back, Ozzy has the dove in his mouth. I think I remember that t-shirt. But Jim's wearing that t-shirt. He goes in there to the church, And in that moment, it's just overwhelmed by God's love. Realizes he needs to go a different direction in life. He moves up to Montana at that point. He and his family move up to Montana. He gets up there to Montana, and his wife says, why aren't we still going to church? That was so good in Nevada when we started going to church. 
And he said, well, I don't need to go to church anymore. I got my life together. And she said, I don't think that's the purpose of church. And so they go back to church there in Montana, and Jim hears the gospel for the first time, that Christianity is not about getting your life together. It's about what God has done for you to make you right. That's not something you're able to earn. And Jim gives his life to the Lord there in Montana. A couple weeks later, nobody shows up to teach the youth Sunday school class. So they tell the guy in the Ozzy Osbourne shirt, hey, you're in charge of the youth group now. Uh, So he begins to teach the youth about the good news of Jesus. Seven years later, in his mid-30s, Jim feels the Lord leading him to go back to his hometown of Knoxon, Montana, where he grew up, where his whole life went to shambles, where his parents' marriage broke up when he was in elementary, where he knows all of these bad influences about there, but he knows that he's being called there to this church. He goes to this church there in Knoxon, Montana, and he gets in front of the search committee, and the search committee tells him two things. One, we have a potluck lunch every week, and we're going to keep that potluck lunch. Number two, we don't want any of those people coming into our church. There's bad characters out there. We don't want any of them in here. You just come. Jim accepts the call, goes to the church. First week, he cancels the potluck, and he grows the church from 25 to 6 in the first week of being there at the church. Cancels the potluck. God begins to draw people. God begins to work in that church. That church now averages over 100 people there in a small town of Montana. The entire community has been transformed. Jim's a bivocational pastor. He pastors, but his main job is working as a carpenter and working as a deer and elk hunting guide there in Montana. Who are all the people that experience Christmas? Is it the religious people that have it all together? No, it's much more Jim and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men. It's the senior adult who feels forgotten. It's the student who's one of the growing number of students being diagnosed with anxiety and depression and feeling the weight of the world. It's the suburban family with two dogs, three kids, and their life is holding on by a thread. It's the single parent who says, I could never walk in there because I just don't belong in a place like that. It's good news of great joy, and it's for all the people. And if God would be so gracious that at Emmaus Baptist Church, we would be known for good news of great joy to all the people. You might be here this morning And you say, I come here on Christmas because I really care for my family and this is a special time and I'm glad I've come. But that Christmas message couldn't be for me. It is for you. God has come to you and he is with you and he has good news of great joy if you would repent and open your arms to him. I want you to see this final slide up here and then we're going to wrap up. Christmas is an announcement of good news. Good news has come to you because somehow you got yourself into this room this morning. And we would say, actually, God got you into this room this morning. Are you celebrating that good news? Are you searching for good news? Or are you rejecting 
that good news. Do not let this Christmas season pass without answering those questions. Are you going to celebrate the good news of Jesus and give yourself fully to him? Are you honestly searching, desperate for peace and joy? Or are you saying, that's not for me, I'm moving on, I'm going my own way? If you are searching, we want to be available to you. We want to care for you and your family. I'm going to stick around after the service. I'd love to do that. You can contact the church anytime. We'll meet you right where you are. We want you to tell you about that good news. Here's how we're going to wrap up our service this morning. I'm going to say a short prayer for us. After I pray, my family is going to come over here, and we're going to do the final Advent reading for Christmas. We're going to light the middle candle. Then my kids, very carefully and with amazing skill, are going to carry the light and start to pass the light throughout our congregation. We're going to sing a final song together. And then after that final song is finished, you're dismissed. We've got places for you and your family to take pictures in the lobby. Good news, great joy, all the people. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of a Christmas Eve service. Thanks for the kids that were in here and have done so well. Thanks for the parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that show the real courage by coming in here with with kids and family members. God, I pray that this morning, just taking a short break of all that's going on this holiday, God, I pray this morning would be an encouragement, would be a time of peace, hugs and handshakes, seeing people we haven't seen in a while. My fear is that people would have the idea that Christmas is for the religious people that have it all together, except that's not the case at all. It's good news of great joy for all the people. God, I pray that there are Jim Webleys in this congregation right now. That there are teenagers, there are senior adults, there are moms and dads who have been looking for good news and great joy and that they would give their life to you because you are good and we trust you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.